Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hey, welcome everybody. Dr. Barry here, your host of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Uh, this is episode 41. So if you want my show notes, please head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP041. Again, if you want my show notes, head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP041. Uh, it has been greatly Greatly appreciated. You know, we're 41 episodes in, and you guys' support has been absolutely amazing. You know, every month we have, you know, since we started, which you started like in July, every month since we started, you know, the downloads have just continued uh, to increase. So continue, you know, supporting. Uh, continue telling your friend to support because the love is much appreciated here on this end, right? And I appreciate the reviews on Apple uh, Podcasts. So, Go ahead. If you have Apple Podcasts, you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave uh, me a five-star review saying how much you love the episode. And if you have some episode ideas you want to hear, you know, leave it in the comments as well, and I will definitely make sure we get to them. On today's episode, you're going to be hearing, you know, a recap of my recent trip uh, to D.C. I actually went for the American College of Internist Conference, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, I got to meet Z-Dog MD, who is phenomenal and a very big uh, motivating factor in everything I do in regards to writing blogs, doing videos, doing podcasts. Like He's just absolutely amazing. I got to be him, got to talk to him, even got a picture uh, with him as well. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, you're going to hear another uh, amazing episode. And we're going to be talking about things like what I learned in terms of how to become a better program director, in terms of uh, you know what to do in cases of di- uh, domestic violence, in cases of you know this opioid epidemic, uh, and most importantly, in, in cases of, you know, HIV, right, which is huge uh, in, you know, medicine uh, right now, right? All three of those, uh, you know, different topics, right? So get ready for another, an amazing episode, you know, here again, episode 41, you know, you know, the, the link, Apple uh, Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, iHeartRadio, I'm on all of those outlets uh, that you want to hear this episode on that you're probably listening to this episode on now uh, again the love and support is extremely appreciated here on this end uh, so get ready for another great episode and i appreciate uh, all that you guys do uh, to that keeps pushing me to make these great episodes for you Hey guys, Dr. Barry here, and I am I'm reporting from DC. I'm at the ACOI conference, and I just wanted to kind of give a wrap-up update. I'm actually going to be headed back home tomorrow, and I wanted to kind of give an update on what I learned during this conference, why I went to the conference, and you know why I keep going to these types of conferences. Um, first and foremost, uh, as a program director, the ACY, which is the American College of Internists, has a program director slash director of medical education section where they go through different topics, including 
like how to coach, how to mentor your residents, you know, ways to help your residents succeed, especially your interns. And for those who may not be familiar, interns are your first year residents. And those are the ones who, you know, just finished medical school and get out and, you know, get on the ball and you kind of have to mold them uh, for the first for the, you know, from the beginning. And it's very important, especially in the beginning. Right. And I remember when I was a intern uh, in my internal medicine residency and understanding that I knew next to nothing. But my residents and my attendings were so influential in helping molding. And help molding me into what I am like today, like literally, because I, I finished residency in 2014. So, you know, three years later, so pretty much if you think about it, like six years since I started residency, my residents and my attendings were so influential. And that's why it was so important. So a lot of the focus and the teaching during that section was really on how to build successful interns and successful residents and also how to build a successful program right so that was like one of the main reasons why I went there also you know side note you know the job was paying for me to go right because hey you know what their program director you know needs to be enriched with some knowledge so they were willing to pay for it so I was able to kill a couple birds with one stone I hadn't been this funny story I hadn't been in DC for like, oh wow, man, think about it. Oh, about seven years, about seven, eight years, because the last time I had been to DC, I was applying for medical school, right? I was actually applying to get into Howard University, and I got waitlisted, uh, you know, during my interview season, and I ended up um, not coming because uh, I wanted to stay in Florida, and I ended up going to Nova Southeastern University. Uh, so, yeah, it was about seven years. Wow, time is... No, 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 take it back. It's about ten years. Yeah, because... I think because I'm, I'm trying to remember, I was I started medical school in 2007. And, yeah, so it's been about ten years, you know, since I've been in D.C., right? And love the city. i got plenty of friends in the city. So I've had plenty of reasons to go back to D.C., but I just never did, right? Uh, so, uh, again, I was able to, you know, see the sights, you know, see some friends and then also learn. Right. And so I want to kind of like go through, you know, the conference in these past couple of days, what I've learned and, you know, you know why I keep coming to it and what's so important about it. Um, the last time I've been to this ACY conference, um, I actually became a fellow. Right. I became a fellow of the American College of Internists, uh, which is bestowed upon members of the American College of Internists who show like, you know, some exemplary. Uh, efforts outside of medicine, but, you know, fulfilling, you know, the, the model of trying to be the, you know, consummate profession and consummate internist. So I, I was a fellow. So the last time I was here, um, last time I was at the conference, last conference last year was in California, um, which coincidentally was the first time I went to California. And I'll just hit a quick side note for me. When it comes to traveling, I'm from South Florida. So when it comes to traveling out of Florida, um, it takes a lot, right? And I can tell you on one hand, the amount of times I've actually left the state of Florida that didn't actually include like a medical conference, right? Like that's how bad I am, right? I'm not a big traveler. don't really like traveling. I don't really care to travel. So, you know, and I'm in South Florida, right? So why would I want to leave South Florida when everything is here in South Florida? 
So I can literally count on one hand, you know, I'm 34 years old. I can count on one hand the amount of times I've actually left the state of Florida that did not uh, include, you know, a medical um, conference, right? So I was at California last year for ACOI. This year I was in D.C. Um, and starting out was, you know, like the pits, I'll say that. Uh, because my kids actually gave me uh, their illness. Like, my kids were sick right before I left, and I got sick. So the first day, I wasn't even able to really attend any of the sessions. But, you know, for anyone who goes to these conferences, the first day, you don't really go through very much, right? They, there's a little bit of education, but not as much um, as expected. But the second day, right, the second day was a, was a highlight, right? And if you follow me on Instagram, you know, Instagram.com slash Dr. Barry Pierre, um, I actually got to, you know, hear Dr. Um, uh, Z-Dog, right? Z-Dog MD, right? I got to hear him speak. And his talk was absolutely amazing, right? Um, he incorporated a lot of video and a lot of emotion in his talk and trying to get physicians, you know, uh, all in one accord, right? And he really stressed, you know, the ability as physicians to you know reach out and touch their patients and educate their patients in so many different ways right and if you're not familiar with z-dog um i will put uh, a link to some of his video i'll put a link to his facebook and everything um in my in the show notes uh, for him right so uh he was you know absolutely amazing and then afterwards right like you should have seen the line that was waiting for him just to talk to him right and i definitely took a picture of the line because i was like wow most of the time especially in these medical conferences you know, the keynote speakers are, you know, they're okay, right? Uh, but they're kind of boring, right? You know, nothing that you really kind of, you know, touch your head for, right? But like Z-Dog had a line absolutely waiting for it, right? And, you know, I have no pride in my, you know, no uh, shame in, in myself, right? Where So I went to go um, meet him as well, stand in line. And I, what I think was important, right, uh, and it was absolutely amazing. First, I got my picture, right? Because I had to get my picture. Um, but second of all, like speaking to him and kind of letting him know like, hey, you know, he's been uh, how much of a motivator he's been for me because he actually has, um, you know, as you know, a person who does uh, blogging and, you know, podcasting, obviously, and the videos. Um, he's definitely been something, uh, someone uh, that I've looked up to and, you know, try to emulate. Uh, in that regards, right? As far as like, how can I talk to my patient, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, that's what, you know, that's what we do, what we do here, right? We try to, you know, find different ways to help educate our patients and make them care about their health just as much as we care about their health, right? And that's kind of started it all, right? And he's been one of the pioneers, you know, in, in medicine uh, and as a physician, right? Who kind of said like, hey, this is a way you can do what you need to do, right, without uh, that hassle, right? So I was uh, ecstatic um, to be able to meet him, talk to him, and even the highlight, I swear the highlight of my trip, right, was talking to him and him saying, like, I can tell, you know, Dr. Barry, I could tell, like, you have that it factor, right? It's like, I could just tell it was very infectious. And, of course, I'm now I'm hyped, right? Because I'm like, oh, my God, Z-Dog said I had the it factor, right? Uh, and he just told me to keep on working. So, you know, that's what we're going to do, right? We're going to keep on working um, and continue to do what we do here, right? So I definitely uh, had to go down and say, oh, I'm definitely going to record before I leave uh, this place here, right? Because it's absolutely amazing, right? Z-Dog 
um, with the shout out, right? And again, uh, check out my Instagram. You'll see my picture with Z Dog. You'll see that uh, the line kind of waiting for him because you know it was absolutely amazing, right? And just kind of going through the cons, uh, you know, the the conference and kind of you know learning and uh, updating myself on different techniques, whether it be like how to treat you know reflux disease, how to treat diabetes, how to deal with you know you know post-operative and pre-operative management. Because uh, it was nice because we actually had like a joint conference with the American College of uh, Osteopathic Surgeons. Uh, so it was nice to kind of get that, you know, entailed as well to kind of see both of those uh, aspects of medicine um, in, in that regards. So def definitely I uh, was happy to, see, you know, uh, to be able to kind of get my learn on because I always do. Right. Like, obviously, you know, when you see me, you know, usually I'm doing the teaching. Uh, but a lot of times, I obviously, I can't do the teaching if I'm not learning myself, right? Uh, so a lot of times when I'm talking, giving these talks on, uh, you know, these various subjects that I may not be the subspecialist in, and I always stress that to my patients that, you know, as an internist, right, we're very aware of a lot of disorders, right? We just are, right? Like, that's just something that um, we've been forced to be right. We're very aware of a lot of disorders. We may not be the, you know, the end all be all expert, but we know enough to know when we got to send you to those experts. Right. And that's why I've been able to touch on so many uh, variety of topics. Right. Because, again, I may not be a rheumatologist, but I know enough about lupus and rheumatoid arthritis to talk about it. I may not be, you know, a gynecologist, but I know what happens when patients are having issues with, you know, menstrual cycles, right? Like, it's just something that as an internist, and it was one of the reasons why I became an internist, because all of those topics I'm able to touch on and all of those topics I actually enjoy touching, right? Like, I actually enjoy having to learn about, you know, kidney-related issues and, you know, GI-related issues and, you know, endocrine-related issues, right? It's just something about reading and learning that's always been very fascinating to me, right? So uh, that's where, you know, when I go to these conferences, especially ACOI, uh, you know, we kind of learn about a lot of different topics, right? Like, it's not just, you know, one, you know, fixated on the other, right? We had, it almost goes in different sections, right, where we'll learn about a lot of GI-related issues. I talked about, like, you know, the reflux disease and GERD. Um, and then we kind of moved on to like lung issues and heart issues, all of those things kind of under the sun, you know, getting us to try to focus on, you know, that type of medicine. Right. And like almost like a refresher course. Right. Because, again, I don't I may not have the time to, you know, sit in a classroom no more. But when I go to these conferences, I do make an effort to try to learn. And, and I think that's the most important, right? As your physician and as any physician, you know, regardless of what field you're in, right? Like if you get to the point where you don't think you have to like continue learning, like you got to get out, like get out the profession like ASAP, right? Because that's, you know, not going to fly um, here, uh, especially in medicine, especially where technology is moving and shaking at lightning speeds, right? And so if you're not ready to adjust with it and learn with it, like you'll be left in the dust, right? And that's why I love, you know, Z-Dog MD and doctors like him uh, because he's fully aware, right? And me, me and him, we're kind of fully aware that in this day and age, right, if you have a physician who's 
you know, pretty much refusing, right? Like, and that's what you almost, at this day and age, you almost have to be doing it, right? You almost have to be refusing uh, to engage in social media, right? You have to be refusing to engage in, like, video media or audio media because you're patient, especially, again, patients are already saying that you're not spending time with them, right? They're already saying that after 10 minutes, you're already looking at your watch and trying to get out the room, right? You're already not spending your time with your patients, right? So if you're not giving your patient's supplemental ways to learn and feed off of you, right? Like you're going to be left in a dust, right? And when when I was doing outpatient medicine, right, that was one of the things my patients absolutely loved about me. Um, so I had a lot of patients before they would even come to see me in the office. They had already been on my website. They had already checked out the blog. They had already checked out maybe a podcast or so. Well, probably not a podcast. I didn't start podcasts until uh, the um until uh, I got impatient, but they already checked out like my videos, right? They had already checked out uh, information about me, which helped uh, establish my credibility even before I said one word directly to them. And in this day and age, if you have a physician that's still refusing to do that, you know, you got to really question, you know, the ability of a physician. And I got to just be honest, that's just uh, the truth, especially in this day and age, right, where there's a physician, you know, almost everywhere you turn, depending on where you stay at. And your physician has to, you know, catch up with the times, right? So that's why, you know, you know, following a person like ZDog MD and, you know, others like him and is so important because, again, they're embracing it, right? Like in ZDog MD, he does it in a very comedic way. But, you know, for those, especially us in the medical field, we know that he's being as serious as possible. Uh, but that comedic way is how he's able to tap in and talk uh, to his um, patients and his patient um, circle. So that's what I loved about that, right? So, you know, now, you know, moving on. So, you know, we're learning about all of these different, you know, getting refreshers and all these uh, different uh, health systems, right? So then on the Saturday, right? So Saturday, um, I am, you know, doing some courses on uh, that's required for my license, right? Because I got to do that like every like two years or so, right? So I'm doing some courses that are required on my license, right? One um, in particular, and, and this is a very popular topic, and I'll probably have to do a whole podcast episode on it, is the opioid epidemic, right? Like, And as a physician in Florida, it is something that we run into a lot. Um, and it is something that we have to deal with uh, quite often, like all the time in regards to either patients uh, being on medications and not getting enough of it, patients being on medications and, you know, withdrawing from it, overdosing from it. It just, one way, shape or form, we have to deal with it, right? And in Florida, especially I'm in South Florida, right, where a lot of your physicians um, have gotten to the point where they're they're pretty much afraid to prescribe these medications just because of all of the problems that has arisen from it. Um, you have these patients who you know, may need that medication. Well, most likely they do because they're, you know, they've been on it for so long, but they can't even get someone to prescribe it for them, right? Um, and this course, right, and it was it was like an hour course, right, just talked about opioid practices and, you know, how, um, you know, they do it in different parts of the state in terms of regulation, in terms of, you know, drug testing, in terms of, like, contracts and all of these things under the sun to kind of say, hey, this is how we do to try to help combat, you know, the opioid problem, you know, that is here, uh, you know, in, in the United States in general, right? Um, but I can tell you Florida is a big one. Florida is a big player uh, when it comes to the opioid uh, abuse. 
in that regards, and it's and it's crazy. I can tell you, I'll just tell you a little caveat. And like I said, we'll probably have a podcast episode on itself. I remember being a resident, uh, which is 2011, 2012, where when the the law like really came down on you know what we would describe as pill mills, right? And a pill mill, if you had to think about it, was a doctor's office, right? Who you would go to see the doctor. You'd probably have to pay cash to see the doctor, most likely. So you pay cash, you see this doctor, and he said, "Yeah, you got back pain. Yeah, you got chronic this. You got chronic that. Um, whatever. You know, whatever the issue is, right? He like he diagnosed it, and then he said, "Okay, go ahead and pick up. You know, sixty pills of oxycodone or sixty pills of Percocet, sixty pills of like whatever, right? Whatever the number is, you had to pick up a certain number of pills um, in a pharmacy, right?" And then he would say, you know, say the quote unquote, and I say pharmacy in quotes, because what would happen is that he would send you to maybe the next building or maybe, you know, two rooms down a hall in a pharmacy that he or she owned. Right. So think about it. Right. So you've already had to pay 60 or 160 usually. So it was a good amount. You just had to pay like 160 bucks. Right. To just to go see you know, the doctor, just to have the doctor talk to you, say, hey, yeah, you do have this pain. Let me write you this prescription. And then you would go to his pharmacy, his or her pharmacy, and fill the prescription out, right? And so you had to pay, you were almost paying double, right? And you were, so you were paying in cash uh, for the, the pain medication, and you were paying in cash uh, to see the doctor. And then you had to come back, you know, in, in a month, right? Because, you know, I have to see you every month, right? I have to get this money every month. And so you had a lot of patients who were stuck in that cycle where they were getting these, you know, pain medications from the same doctors who were prescribing the pain medications. So once, you know, the the law changed and didn't allow that, you had a lot of these, you know, buildings kind of closing down overnight, right? A lot of these pill mills closed down overnight. And we saw like an, uh, a rush of patients who were withdrawing from opioids like almost immediately like almost immediately in a hospital admissions for opioid withdrawal opioid overdose like shot up right um so you know when i fast forward today and i see all of this quote-unquote opioid epidemic uh you know affecting you know a certain population um it's not a shocker to me right like we this writing was on the wall at least five years ago right so at least five years ago Five years ago, we saw that this was happening, right? Um, of course, now it's starting to affect um, a population, you know, that tends to get a lot of notoriety um, when things happen to it. And, you know, that's kind of where we're here now, right? So that, you know, the topic that we talked about during ACY regarding opioid, you know, use, opioid prescriptions, contracts, and all these things was very informative, right? It was very, and it's definitely something that when I go back to do outpatient medicine, I definitely plan on, you know, in, installing. Uh, to to get to that, you know, uh, to make sure I'm quote unquote compliant uh, with Florida law, right? Because I don't want to be, you know, against law. You know, you got you got now, especially when I was doing outpatient medicine. You used to have my the pharmacy. The pharmacy would call me and be like, "Hey, doctor, doctor, babe, here. Um, looks like you're prescribing, you know, whatever medication for so and so. We just want to let you know that." Uh, you know, this patient you know, has gotten a prescription already or like, you know, they were the, the pharmacies were very hip. Right. To the doctors. Right. So um, it's not something that you could get away with anymore. Right. And they're trying to put more onus on the physicians, you know, to kind of get their act together. Uh, so that was definitely a good uh, class to be in. Right. Um, I think uh, then the second one I had a, an important one. Right. Was my a domestic violence course. Right. So we're actually this is another course. Actually, we're required um, to do uh, every uh, 
two years, I think. Every two years, right before I had to get my license renewed, we had to do this, right? And what was very interesting and telling about this, because I'm always interested in just to kind of hear the scenarios, like how to deal with patients, you know, who maybe suffer from domestic violence, like in your office, right? Because as the primary care physician, right, and I've actually did, you know, a lunch and learn. I think I'm, I think I do a podcast on it as well. I'll have to uh, put it in the show notes if I did. Um, what I think is important, right, with, you know, the, the domestic violence issue, right, is as a physician, there's certain, you know, laws that I even have to abide by, you know, when it comes to, you know, reporting domestic violence and acting on it. And in particular, and this is in Florida, again, it's not, this is not, you know, span to other states. I know I have people, you know, across the country who listen to my podcast, uh, but in Florida, Legally, I'm not even allowed to call the police, right, unless my patient gives me permission, right? Unless my patient gives me explicit permission to call the police, I'm not allowed to call them. Because what was shown that, you know, for, you know, patients who whose husband most usually was husband, we'll say wife to be, you know, you know, you know, you know, non-biased, right? But, you know, let's just say husband, right? Whose husband, right, was that the police was informed and got in contact with and had uh, issues with. Uh, The likelihood that that patient uh, was in danger and, you know, would suffer physical harm was so great uh, that, you know, if you did not have an escape plan, exit plan, you know, people in contact, if you didn't have all of those things ready to hand to the patient, you know, you couldn't do it. Like you literally could not do it because you were literally putting your patient in danger uh, by informing the police. And there was actually someone um, who was, you know, under investigation, not under the investigation, actually uh, under a lawsuit, a physician, uh, under a lawsuit, you know, as we spoke during the conference, uh, because they called the police, they called the police on, you know, the abusive husband. The abusive husband went to jail for about three days. And But what happened when they got out of jail, they went and they actually, unfortunately, murdered uh, the wife, right? And the family members of, you know, the slain victim uh, sued the doctor because the doctor did not give the patient, you know, an exit plan to say, hey, once I call the police, we need to do this, 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 and that, right? Uh, so the doctor only did part of the job. Uh, so it was very telling. Like I said, it was it was such an interesting uh, conversation with domestic violence. And what was what was so crazy is that the even the the presenter, the you know the person who was actually given the talk on domestic violence, um, she was actually thrown in jail because she. Uh, you know, defended herself against her abusive husband or ex-husband, right? She was thrown in jail, right? So that's how crazy when you think about domestic violence and when you think about, you know, why, you know, people don't, you know, come forward when they need to come forward, right? Like, those are things that as a physician, I got to be aware of, right? I got to be weary of, you know, before I just say, oh, let's just go call the police. Let's just get the authorities in there, right? Like, as a physician, like, it's my obligation that if I go that step, and, and again, and I'll tell you, the only caveat, which was so crazy, this, again, Florida law, because Florida law is Florida law. The only caveat where I don't need the patient's permission 
right, to, and even, even if I see a physical injury, the only caveat that I don't need a patient permission to call the police is if there's a gunshot wound. Yes, a gunshot wound. Like, yes, I said it. Like, and I, I made sure I paused on purpose, right? The only way I can call the patients, uh, call the police on a patient is if there's a gunshot wound that I can see that's visible. And that's the only way I can call, right? So, again, Florida law is Florida law. And that's the craziness that you have to deal with, right? Anything else, you know, physical bruising, anything, you cannot call uh, the authorities, right? Unless the patient, you know, gives you permission. So definitely an extremely important topic, especially when you're, when you're, again, if you're, you know, unless you're like, you know, refusing to like listen to media at this time, right? You see all the stuff that's going down with that, uh, I think Harvey Weinstein, right? Like you see all this stuff, the sexual assault and all of the, uh, you know, the claims that are coming for it now, right? Um, that's, that's it, right? Like it's that, like that power struggle that happens, you know, within, you know, relationship, right? And that occurs with the, the domestic violence aspect of it, right? And it takes so much and so much strength, inner strength, uh, and then hourly strength just with support, uh, to be able to step forward and say, yes, you know, this is happening, right? So again, um, especially with all of the stuff you've seen going on in Hollywood right now, right? You can understand why, you know, when someone's in a position of power, why no one ever just kind of speaks up and tells on them, uh, for that part, right? So again, I was very, very key and very, you know, um, important, you know, lesson that we learned there. Um, and then the last one, the last one I'll talk about, you know, before we, before I get out of here, um, is this HIV, right? HIV is huge, huge everywhere, right? It's just, it's just huge, huge, huge. And there was so much new information coming out, uh, during the conference that, you know, I was like, oh, wow, wow, that's very interesting, right? Uh, for example, right, uh, HIV, the life expectancy, right? When we talked about HIV, uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, right? The life expectancy, of a patient with HIV, right? It was almost like 10, you know, to 15 years, you know, younger than a person without HIV. It has now gotten to the point, especially with medication, um, that the life expectancy of a person with HIV is only about two years, you know, shorter than the life expectancy of someone without HIV, right? So think about that, right? Like, before it it cut off 10 to 15 years of your life now it only cuts off about two on average right uh, so you know we're doing a, an amazing job you know treating hiv now the caveat the caveat is we still have way too many people that are walking around with aids it was hiv undiagnosed right way too many people walking around undiagnosed right and this is where it hit home for me right the infectious disease doctor he was actually from louisiana he talked about how even in his practice he even tests nuns right so even he he tests nuns every year for hiv right he says if you're in his practice you're being tested for hiv i think what happens in the primary care setting is that we kind of have this belief that we don't you know this person doesn't quote unquote look like they have HIV, so I'm not going to test them. Or this person's not 
asking for the test of HIV, so I'm not going to test him, right? And his strong words for us was like, get out of that mode, right? As a primary care physician, as a physician in general, regardless, and he, and he even pointed, he said, and I don't want you to put it all in the primary care docs, right? Like, if you're having a patient, if you're a cardiologist, a gastroenterologist, you know, a surgeon, if you have a patient in your practice who likes to come see you, make sure they're being tested for HIV. Because he said that's where a lot of the new HIV cases are coming out of. Because patients who are undiagnosed, who don't know, they don't go see the doctor, or even if they go see a doctor, they never get the HIV test, right? They walk around and giving it to people unexpectedly. So that's where he said where we need to focus on in this the 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 process of and the path of HIV and you know improving the odds of HIV is really focusing on you know that population and it's a huge one. I think he was saying like twenty percent, right? Twenty twenty five percent. A huge population of patients with HIV don't know it. And it's because the doctors aren't even asking for it. Right? They're not even asking to do the test right. So again he and he hit home that big, 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 big time, right? So that I took that took that for heart because I'm like, okay, I got to make sure, you know, and I'm in a hospital setting, right? So in a hospital setting, we tend not to uh, order those certain types of tests. Why? Because um, we want to make sure patients have good follow-up, uh, but I'm definitely much more diligent on patients who may have risk factors to make sure we get that test done, right? So that was definitely something I took home, uh, you know, from from that lecture. Also, um with the, the advent of, you know, medical technology and medications, um, making sure that we're starting our patients, you know, early uh, to start HIV treatment was, you know, very key. Because um, he said kind of when he kind of contrasted the past where, you know, yes, you can be diagnosed with HIV today, uh, but it may take, you know, we may do some excess blood work, uh, you know, which may take a couple weeks uh, before we actually start trying to treat them. And their new philosophy is like, no. If a person gets diagnosed today, they leave with a prescription in hand and start taking today. Uh, so that was an, another thing that he kind of talked about and wanted to stress uh, on us. Like, hey, make sure you are getting your folks checked, right? And that was a big thing, right? You know, December 1st, I believe, yeah. December 1st is coming up. World's A Day is coming up, um, you know. But you don't have to. And he was like, you don't have to wait till World's AIDS Day to get your um, status, right? You can get your status tomorrow, next week. Like he said, just get it done. Um, and so that was, you know, that was the the big, uh, out of the big three, especially on uh, on Saturday that I took from, I said, wow, like he's not lying. And I'm definitely going to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my P's and Q's, right? And again, that's why, you know, to kind of wrap up, that's why I love these conferences, right? Because... Even though I'm in my, you know, my my shell where, you know, I'm learning and I'm learning about like different topics every single day, um, whether I have to teach it or whether I'm just learning it just to learn it, uh, to go to that conference, see a like a lot of like minded individuals and we're all learning together like we're back in school, uh, which is always amazing. Right. Plus, I got to see friends. Uh, plus, I got to see old classmates. Uh, plus a friend of mine, Dr. You know, Anjali Nervelli, uh, she became a fellow of the American College Internist as well, right? So all great things happen, um, you know, during that, you know, that, that week of conference. And plus I got to get away, right? Like, you know, I got to get away for quote unquote vacation um, time, right? And I can tell you as, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, as a physician, right? You know, vacations aren't something that we tend to enjoy, 
because um, we like just taking care of our patients. Uh, but when we're able to get away and, you know, really not have to focus on patient care, uh, it, it's all good the same, right? Um, so that's, you know, that's where we're at right now. Again, you know, I just wanted to kind of uh, do a quick, you know, recap of, you know, this ACOI conference while I was here. And, you know, while a lot of stuff was still kind of fresh in my mind, um, I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. want to say thanks again for all that you guys do and all your support and all of your listens. So I want you to kind of keep on keeping on with going ahead and sharing today's episode go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you're not already subscribed to the podcast follow me on instagram twitter and facebook all at the same name lunch learn pod and uh, go to the website again lunchlearnpod.com for all of the episodes if you've missed one and again i'm at all of the favorite podcast apps google play stitcher soundcloud and of course apple podcast where i would love a five-star review and and tell me what you think about today's episode i would love to hear it so i'll see you guys next week bye